live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. You get like a hiccup or a burp and you try to swallow it. That's what we were doing there. This is the Press Box. <laughs> some guy some guy heard that yesterday. It took him two, two minutes to tweet. He thought it was a soda can. I said, come on, it's eight in the morning. With Grady and Bischoff. Jared, you say that like the quality of these shows have been good since we've been doing it for full anyway. Jared. On ESPN Las Vegas. Well, we'll continue today with low-quality shows because that's who we are. What we're good at. Why the not? first bite. All right. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll, this is low-quality, so let's go. Yeah, all good. right. Today's first bite is brought to you by Chick-fil-A. When will Jack Eichel play for the Golden Knights? Okay. I'm not a doctor, and if I was, I would tell you when Jack Eichel would be back. Would I'm you? Not. I don't think you would. I think I think, I think he the Golden has, Knights would put you under strict orders to not say. When I think he could the doctor be back. has a better idea than us, and I think the doctor has a better idea than the than the Golden Knights. I think the doctor has a better idea than what the Golden Knights are publicly saying. Oh, do, I think do the doctor. Really, I think the doctor has told them behind the scenes. We think this, but there's no. Right, I was going to say, do you really think there's no timetable? Because yesterday. Jack Eichel and Pete DeBoer both said, "Ah, oh, we don't have a target date. There's no timetable. They just like, it's going to be a while. I think the timetable is far more broad than he'll be back on February 18th. Sure. But because it was a neck surgery and you have no idea when he starts contact, how he's going to react. But the Golden Knights have a timeline of when they think he could be. Well, back. when they think, I mean, when they, I mean, I guess when they think he will be, but they have no, I mean, Pete DeBoer, Kelly McCrimmon have no clue. They're not doctors. They can listen to the doctor. But they have doctors that have told them. Right. Hey, but I think it's, I think it's think more like, be. could be February, could be mid to late February. I don't think he's, I don't think they said this week in February. That would be silly. Sure. I mean, he didn't have a broken arm. But you could say, hey, it's going to be after March or hey. It, oh, you could say that, could I assume. before March. I just, yesterday, listen, when you have a guy that had surgery. That surgery. A month ago, he didn't have the surgery yesterday. He had the surgery a month ago, and he's back to skating. He's been skating, but his, yesterday was his first day skating with the Golden Knights. They have to have some ideas to when this guy's going to be able to play hockey. They have to. Like, there's no way they're just floating around with like, yep, there's no timeline. Whenever the doctors say, we'll, we'll yeah. just adjust on the fly. They know something. I think they know something, but... I think the contact's a huge, huge deal because it was a neck injury. So, it, and and that specific surgery was never done on a hockey player. So they know. I mean, I think the doctors are probably learning as they go too. They probably have an idea like, well, it should be healed at this point, and then you can make a decision. But until he starts getting checked against boards and starts getting whacked around, whacking that thing around until the until that starts happening. I have absolutely no idea when he's coming back. I do still love the idea that not having a return date is a way for the Golden Knights to keep Jack Eichel out until it's convenient for them to bring him back. I believe that for sure. Like, They're going to do everything they can to, to their advantage. Yeah. yeah. Like Our, right now, Max Pacioretty is on IR. He's not on long-term IR. So they haven't taken his cap hit off of the salary cap right now. But if Jack Eichel was ready to go right now, they could put Max Pacioretty on long-term IR and they wouldn't really have to do anything to the roster. Right. Obviously, Eichel's not ready to go right now, but I do think it's a way for I think it's a way for the Golden Knights to bring him back when it's convenient to them, and not simply just when he's ready to go. Sure, they're going to manipulate everything. Right, they're going to manipulate everything. Are you sure you're okay, Jack? Like we we just want to make sure you're really okay. Yeah. No, no, I'm 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 fine. 
But are you really okay? Yeah. I think they'll manipulate everything. I mean, I think every him. team would. Tampa Bay did uh, last year, I think, with Kucherov. So I think they'll manipulate everything. I, I, again, I think they probably have a timeline in their minds of what the doctors are saying. But, yeah, I mean, Jared, maybe they kind of uh, hint to him that it would be best to stay out a little longer. I'm sure he'll want to play when he can play. It's been two years. Uh, <laughs> I think it's been two years since he played hockey. Um so, I mean, I'm not, I think you're right. You've said it before. You know, I mean, they're going to have to make the decision at the deadline what they want to do here. And if they don't want to move anybody, then someone's got to go on LTIR. Trade deadline is March 21st. That is still a long ways it's away. It's a long time. I thought it was a month and a half. I thought it was late February. March 21st is yeah, a long time. Basically a month and a half until they have to, they have to do something by that date. Unless, of course... Max Pacioretty's out for the rest of the regular season or somebody else ends up out for the rest of the regular season, which is why it's, hey, let's wait and see what's convenient. Now, a couple of things on Jack Eichel. Yesterday, uh, he was asked about, you know, who he would play with or would want to play with. And he basically, you know, took the normal sport athlete answer and was like, hey, there's a lot of great players out there. It's not my job to determine who I play with. But do you think if Jack Eichel went to Pete DeBoer and said, hey, I want to play with these guys, does Pete DeBoer listen? I think he listens to this guy. I think so, too. I think he listens to this guy. If this guy says, I want to play with, let's say, Pacioretty's healthy, I want to play at the top line. Yeah. Okay, Jackie. <laughs> like, like if DeBoer's out here, like, first day, we see, like, oh, Eichel's skating with the third line. Right, right. He's coming Which he back. probably would, like, the very Which, first day. Right. But, like, you know, we get, like, two games into Eichel returning. He's skating on the third line with, They're not doing with much. Evgeny Dodonov or whatever. And then Eichel goes to DeBoer and says, hey, man. What are we doing here? Right. When, when am I playing with Stone and Pacioretty? If you're Pete DeBoer, you kind of listen, right? Absolutely. Okay. I think you do. And you say, all right, you just got here, but you're calling the shots now, Jack Eichel. What happens if he says that, but Mark Stone says, you know, we're really better when he plays on the third line? <sighs> this is crazy, but I think Jack Eichel wins out. I think Does Pete, he? I think Pete DeBoer convinces Mark Stone. Let's at least, well, let's at least try it and let's let it give away. Chandler, we're sorry. Chandler Stevenson's the odd man out here. He's going down to the third line. He's having a career best. I know. Year. He's having, he's got. Uh, doesn't he have a career best points right now? I last think so. last night, on, I think he got, yeah. or he's he's close to it, like thirty-seven points. Yeah, I think get last out of night. here. Well, get out of here, Chandler. Yeah. No it's need Jack for Eichel. you. Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel's here. Guy hasn't played in two years. Get out of here. Um, I think one of the funniest details from Jack Eichel talking to the media yesterday is that he said. After he had his neck surgery, the same day, he went out to dinner with his parents. Okay, that's insane. It does seem insane. Uh, because, like, did he not get put under? Was yeah, there no, like, it, anesthesia? I would think on neck surgery they said, we're going to put you under. <laughs> instead of having him awake the whole time. But the part of it that I find funny, and granted, Jack Eichel has not returned to hockey yet. We have not seen what he can do playing hockey. We don't know if this neck is going to continue to be an issue. But the re the reason the Golden Knights have Jack Eichel is because the Buffalo Sabres did not want him to have this type of neck right, surgery. Right. They wanted to have a different type of neck surgery. And after having that neck surgery, he went out to dinner with his parents mm. the same night. Like, if you're Buffalo right now, you're looking at this saying, what? We... We lost the best player in our organization because we refused to let him have this surgery that he could go have dinner with like five hours later. Was it the hospital cafeteria? 
I mean, where in the world did, did they get in a car? Did this guy, like, put on his clothes again and get in a car and, like, go to dinner? And then did he go back to the hospital to sleep? It's just, it, it's amazing on the same day you would, of any procedure. Right. I mean, I've known people with, like, you know, you know, teeth procedures, mouth procedures, where they have to be put under. They're out for the day. Yeah. They're completely out. They go home, go to bed, and they're out for until the next day, never mind a neck surgery. <laughs> I mean, he might be Superman. <laughs> Maybe we don't know what a Jack Eichel's like, Superman or Batman. He should, he should be clear for contact now. Yeah, then. I mean, He's if he could have go. a stake right after the neck surgery, what's he do? Why isn't he playing yet? But it's just if Jack if Jack Eichel comes back this year, and is and is and is Jack Eichel is like one of the best centers in the NHL. Oh, the Sabers! If you're the Buffalo Sabers, like. What are you doing? Like, you're Disaster. looking at this saying, like, that's one of the biggest screw-ups you could possibly yeah. have. Like, you had a player who's awesome, wanted to have a certain kind of neck surgery, and you said no? And if everything works out fine for Jack Eichel? What the hell are the Sabres doing? Like, that's that's one of the worst ways you can screw up a, a, a personnel decision, right? Like, that's not even like, oh, you got bad value on a trade, or a trade didn't work out, or a free agent signing didn't work out. This is just, you had a great player, and you just told him, no, you can't have the surgery you want because we don't trust it. And then if the guy's awesome, if he's just back to normal, that's brutal for the Sabres. Yeah, but Alex Tuck went home. They got Alex Tuck. And he went home. He was able they, to go They've home. teamed up Alex Tuck with Cody Eakin, yeah. and that just, that doesn't, that doesn't get stopped. Which, by the way, you were asking earlier in the week if they were done with tribute videos. When do the Sabres come here? Alex Tuck is getting one. He is getting one. Got to give Alex Tuck one. Yeah, you do. You're right. They're not. They're Did not. He can done. get one. Oh, oh god. Alex Tuck can get one. There, there are not enough highlights to do a Cody Eakin one. Well, there's one highlight. <laughs> you can just keep playing it over and over for like a minute. Goodrow, it alone. <laughs> so, Jack Eichel, he's almost back. Oh, by the way, did you see the hype video the Golden Knights tweeted out yesterday? I just saw him it's, skating around and oh, shooting. Oh, it's the pucks. funniest thing. It's the he's funniest shooting thing. Pucks, they tweeted right? out like a, a hype video of, of Jack Eichel at practice, and there is one clip of him shooting on a goalie right, right like the rest of it is just slow motion of him slow motion standing. just passing to others yeah and just, standing. just like yeah. standing around it's like the funniest type of it and like i get why the golden knights did it because sure it's they want Jack people Eichel. to get excited he's really good he's actually back on the ice yeah. he hasn't he they hasn't been on the excited. ice with a team and who knows how long and never been with the golden knights so i get why they did it but it's just like one of the funniest type videos i've ever seen where yeah. it's like that guy he didn't actually do that much today what was it was it the john merrill uh, welcome back video where we counted and it was like 12 uh, clips and only one or two was an actual hockey clip. Yeah, the, the rest were just the biggest one. Stuff. Two, two things were he was in the Happy Days video and the other one was he was <laughs> driving around in a moped yeah, with Nate his Schmidt. Little moped. Yeah. And, that, and those were the those were the highlights of those the, were the best John ones. Merrill era. Yes. The actual play on the ice was irrelevant. Right. We got one or two of those. That was all. All right, coming up next. UNLV won a basketball game last night, and they had their entire roster ready to go. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. A lot of Nuga there. It's like the only play Nuga made the entire game, My too. My goodness. All right. UNLV beat New Mexico 85-56. to 56. Blew them out. Not even a competitive game. How impressed were you, given that yesterday we didn't know who the hell was playing for this team? Are we being honest here? Yeah. It was such a bad game. I watched some of it, then watched the Golden Knights, then watched the documentary. That's all you needed to watch was some of it. 
That's it. I, I was. I just. It, New Mexico was so bad. It was just pathetic. What What is wrong with that program? Well, they can't defend you and me, so the wrong right. Patino's coaching it. Well, so Paul Weir, when he was there, right? They had that first season under Paul Weir where they made a run in the Mountain West tournament. It was like, uh oh, Paul Weir might be good. But then they were the worst defensive team in the conference for Brutal. two straight years. They finally fire Paul Weir, bring in a new coach. They're still the worst defensive team in the conference. Like, that was okay. UNLV took two mid-range jumpers yesterday. Like, they took some shots from the mid-range that were like floaters from like seven feet. But they took two like legitimate pull-up 15-foot mid-range jumpers. Both came in the final five minutes of the game. UNLV got whatever shot it wanted the entirety of that game. The only problem UNLV had offensively was that they, they can't finish at the rim. So they had a lot of missed layups. But like, at one point in this game, Back-to-back possessions, UNLV ran a ball screen for Josh Baker, who's like the seventh offensive option on this team. And on back-to-back possessions, on a ball screen for Josh Baker, they got a wide-open dunk and a wide-open three. (laughs) Because New Mexico can't defend ball screens that involve UNLV's like seventh-best offensive player. Like, I don't understand how that program is so bad. Like, UNLV has beat them seven straight times. UNLV has not been good over the last four seasons (laughs) and they have beaten New Mexico seven straight times. Like that's pathetic. I don't know what's happened to this program because it used to be one of the better, better teams in the conference. Uh, Maybe it started with Weir and look, it's it's Richard Pitino's first year. Okay. So he gets a little, little leeway, but they haven't been good in a while. So I don't know that he has a long way to go, but of the parts I watched last night, it was it was laughable defensively how bad they are. And and they lead the league in scoring. Well, they better because if they don't lead the league in scoring, they're going to give up like 90 and they're going to have to score 92. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, And that's the other fascinating part because Patino's doing kind of the same thing Paul Weir did where they're trying to play really fast. Right, right. And when you suck defensively and you play really fast, you're going to get blown out a lot. Like, UNLV is not a good offensive team. Like we've talked about this a lot this season. This is not a good offensive team. And they had no problem doing anything against that. Like if they, if UNLV played New Mexico every game, I'd be like, well, the whole damn team's a bunch of offensive creators where normally we're talking about, well, how many offensive creators do they have? Do they have somebody not named Bryce Hamilton? Right. But against New Mexico, the whole team is that like that team's terrible. And I, I will say this. I'm a little bit impressed that UNLV was able to basically come back from a COVID pause where Kevin Kruger was talking about not having enough players to play a game, right? Where he was like, I don't know how many guys we're going to have. I was a little impressed that they were able to basically make it look like they never took a break, right? They played perfectly fine yesterday, but yesterday was much more about New Mexico than it was about UNLV. So do you think, because we don't know and you know we shouldn't, it's personal. Do you think that they're done with the pauses or do you think because I don't think all 14 had it. I think it probably made a run. Some were close contacts, and they kind of kept guys away, and they didn't have enough to play a game. UNLV is done? most likely done having any pauses. Right. There were still some players that did not test positive, which means those players could, could still test positive and be knocked out of right. games. But you're probably talking like two or three guys, not... And we don't know which ones. Right, not eight or nine. Um, we do know Donovan Williams did not test positive. He told us that after the game last night. 
Um, but yeah, so like there's a chance, like Donovan Williams, for example, uh, two weeks from now, he could test positive and UNLV could have to play without Donovan right, Williams. Right. But they're still going to have at least seven players, which is the Mountain West requirement. It looks like they're going to have seven players the rest of the way. So I would I would be surprised if any games are paused because of UNLV. Now, San Diego State just went on they pause. They just went on their first pause. And UNLV is supposed to play them in six days. Right. So is that going to happen? Uh, we'll see. I mean, UNLV went on pause and came back basically six days later and played yesterday. So we'll see. But I would, I would venture to guess UNLV's not going to have to pause anymore. Other teams might have to, and there'll still be some missed games, but I don't think it'll be on UNLV's end. Right now, UNLV tonight plays Colorado State for the Mountain West Conference Tournament Final, and they're down one, and, and they have a last shot. Who takes it? Bryce Hamilton State. I agree. I don't think he should, but he is. You think Donovan Williams should? Um, I, th- I, I mean, Bryce Hamilton takes it. So, the int- okay, here's the thing. Donovan Williams' last five games is averaging 21.8 points per game. Bryce Hamilton's averaging 22.2 in that stretch. But Donovan Williams is shooting 62% from the floor and 57% from three in the last five games. Bryce Based Hamilton, on how many attempts, by the way? What? Based on how many attempts. Right. Has been taking a ton of threes? Uh, no, not a yeah. lot. He only okay. took two last night. Bryce Hamilton, though. 40% the last five games, so 22 percentage points worse and 33% from three, 25 percentage points worse than Donovan. Williams has been unbelievably efficient the last five games. They've played one good team in that stretch, right? Right. That's the important thing here. But I think the interesting part is how much better Donovan Williams has been than Bryce Hamilton. Bryce Hamilton, even against bad teams, is still having to take 15, 18, 20 shots to score 20 points right. in a game. Donovan Williams has been doing it on like 11 shots, 12 shots. Like he doesn't need the volume that Bryce Hamilton does. Now, Donovan Williams is also not a guy that you just give a ball screen to and he goes and creates a good shot. Donovan Williams does a lot of work in transition. Donovan Williams does a lot of work when other guys come off a ball screen and kick it out to him and he can attack a closeout, right? He's still not really a, hey, just give him the ball and he's going to make a, create a good shot. That's not really what Donovan Williams has turned into, he's sort of benefiting off of other guys. So UNLV probably needs to give Donovan Williams some, like give him some ball screens and see what he can do. But it's still Bryce Hamilton's team from a, hey, we who are we putting the ball, whose hands are we putting the ball in? It's still going to be Bryce Hamilton. And sometimes Donovan Williams has highlight dunks. A lot of times he has highlight that dunks. Was, he actually finished an alley-oop. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> I think like, that was great. We talked That's about one it. of the... Parts I watched. Jordan McCabe can't throw alley-oops. We've talked about <laughs> right, this. He right. cannot do it. And last night, Bryce Hamilton also threw a bad alley-oop pass to Donovan Williams, but Williams actually finished yeah. this one. Like, yeah, what, they got a guy who can actually go up and dunk these things, and they cannot <laughs> throw him an alley-oop. They can't do it. It's ridiculous. Like, they got to figure this Is out. Is there a drill for that? Just sorry, Yeah, guys. they did it. Oh, my God. They've done it. They do it. They'll, they'll do a drill for 30 minutes where they just throw alley-oops. <laughs> They've done that in practice. And they don't. They can't do it. They can't throw alley oops to the guy that can actually go up and dunk. So there you go. UNLV got their first conference win of the season. Be impressed, Dad. Can I be mad at Kevin Kruger? Uh, certainly. I mean, he goes crazy on calls. He does go crazy on calls. No, no. But here, okay. We talked to Kevin Kruger on Monday, right? And Kevin Kruger talked up like, don't know who's going to be available, right? Even the guys that are available. Don't know how uh, good a shape they're in. We don't know how well they're going to respond to having to play big minutes, right? 
if we had to go play at Air Force, we were going to sit in a 2-3 zone for the entire game because our guys were going to be too tired to play 40 minutes of basketball. Show up to Thomas and Mac. Every single player is available. Every single one of them. And not one guy appeared to have any sort of minutes restriction <laughs> on him. Every, or the, get tired. Started the normal five. They don't, They all played. Well, they blew them out. So there was some a lot of substitutions late. But played their normal amount of minutes. Now, Kruger did say yesterday that they found out yesterday that all 14 players were going to be cleared and good to go. But like Monday, it was very much like, we don't know who we got. We don't know who can run up and down the floor. We haven't full court practiced in a week. And then we show up and it's just like a normal game. I mean, he had to keep his perfect record in New Mexico. He didn't want to let any secrets out. He wanted those guys to think that, (sighs) you know, they'd be tired. Yeah, absolutely. He was six and he had to be seven and oh. Can you imagine what would have happened if New Mexico knew that Justin Webster was playing? (laughs) Oh, my God. They wouldn't have had a chance. Richard Pitino, who wasn't there, would be calling his assistant. Right. If David, if they knew ahead of time that David Milwaukee might be out, oh, New Mexico could have focused their game plan entirely on Bryce Hamilton instead. <laughs> that's actually, that's what I want to sort of invert it on is how many weeks of no practice would have it taken for them to be like, we lost to New Mexico. Quite a lot. <laughs> oh, New Mexico's horrible. Yeah. Like They're literally terrible. had Kevin Kruger just been like, yeah, guys, just take the month off, show up. I hope you all wear the same uniform. And beat New Mexico? Yeah. Yes. Team's bad. Team's really bad. Like, I don't think there's any way they lose to them the second time they play New Mexico. Like, that team can't defend anybody. Hard-hitting and, statistical analysis. <laughs> team bad. And they and they take terrible shots on offense, too. Like, it's not, they play fast on offense, but they just take bad shots. Like, they, I swear, they look like their coach to just, wherever you are when the shot clock gets to 20, shoot it. Yeah. Like that's that that appears to be the coaching style at New Mexico. It's like, hey, it's there's twenty on the shot clock, guys. Put it up. Doesn't matter if you're guarded. Doesn't matter where you are. Just put it up when you get to twenty. The dad in the stands, shoot it. Yeah, yeah. that's basically <laughs> yeah. the coaching staff. Right exactly. There. That's what it is. All right, coming up next, Tina Wen joins the show. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Not thrilled with that. Rejoin Ed. Flag was not flying. Flag for basketball until the NCAA tournament. Flag was not flying. Baylor flag does not fly until the tournament. Joining us now from Channel 13 is Tina Wynn. Good morning, Tina. How are you? What's up, guys? How are you? This is my first time on uh, the show in 2022. So, cheers. It is. Yes. Welcome to the show in 2022. All right. I do want to start with some college football with you. Uh, First off. So Tina went to Texas A&M. I went to Ole Miss, both SEC schools. But do you think it's bad for the rest of the country that Georgia and Alabama dominated the sport this year and played in the national championship game? And it's a recurring theme every year that the SEC in that region dominates this sport. I'm going to say no, and people are going to say I'm biased, but I'm going to say no just because you've got two of the best teams playing for a national title. I mean, I think as like a sports fan, isn't that what you want to see? Two teams that are, that are the best at what they do going at it head-to-head. And I think right there on what Monday night, that was what we saw. Yeah, I mean, but I think it might be better if a team from California or Ohio was one of the two best teams in the country instead of both being neighboring states. Yeah, I, mean, I can see that, but... Um, I mean, again, I do feel like people are probably also tired of seeing two SEC teams um, on such a big stage. But, I mean, for me personally, I think we've got two of the best teams going at it head-to-head. Head um, 
I like that. I mean, it, Monday night to me was competitive. And then you talk about the storylines that come out of it with Stetson Bennett going from a walk-on to a JUCO, to being a backup QB at the beginning of this season and then now a national uh, champ. I mean, that, and then Kobe Swan, of course, winning his um, winning a national championship for his alma mater. Um, yeah, and then on the other side of it, of course, Alabama's Nick Saban, the dynasty that he's built. But um, I think a thing for me watching that game, you got to credit Nick Saban for all that he's done this season. I mean, this is one of, I believe, the youngest teams that he's ever had. Um, and, of course, he's had some coaching turnovers uh, going into this season. I mean, they lost two of their best wide receivers in the last couple of games. They still competed. And they almost were so close to winning another national championship title. So I I, I, I like it. I think two of the best teams this season it was we saw a competitive ball game. I'm assuming you felt very sorry for Alabama, given the Aggies took them out this year. Ah, uh, hey, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought Alabama was going to win this one. It's hard for me to pick against Nick Saban. Um, but, I mean, hey, happy for the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, we, uh, I think we've discovered the key to college football and the key to beating Alabama. Um, you have. Are you going to say pressuring the quarterback? No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with getting to the quarterback. (laughs) No, no, nothing that happens in the game. The key here is you have to have a coach who has a cartoon character like name, Dabo, Jimbo, or Kirby. If you got a coach with a hilarious name, you've got a chance to beat Alabama and Nick Saban. Interesting. Okay. No Steve's are beating. No, yeah, no Steve. Joe has no, no chance. Joe no and Mike Steve, have no, no chance. Joe, yeah. No Joe. No Luke. No, yeah. they have no chance. The, the only, like, Ed Ogeron did it. And Ed's not really a cartoon name, but Ed Ogeron is a cartoon character. Like, of anybody that is I, I was one, say, it's Ed Ogeron. Interesting. Um, I'll circle back with you guys in a couple of years to see, to, to see if that still holds true. <laughs> I mean, if, I'm sure it's not going to be the last time we see Alabama yeah, on I the mean, national stage. Listen, if Jimbo does it again next year, it just cements it. Like if Jimbo goes out and beats Alabama for a second time in a row, that's that's it. He's good to go. Well, I was going to ask you, what do you think about your Ole Miss Rebels? Uh, need- Odds of them making to it a they- national Title game. Oh, that's not happening. Down, down the road. No, no, that's not happening. No, Ole Miss is capped at like nine and three. Like that's, that's the ceiling on Ole Miss. Maybe occasionally a 10 win year, but like nine and three in the Sugar Bowl, that's basically a national championship run for, for Ole Miss. Oh, yeah, I agree. I can definitely see that. Especially when Lane Kiffin leaves and we're hiring some random offensive line coach like they did five years ago, then they're screwed. Lane Kiffin. Could Lane Kiffin not pass as a cartoon game? Hello. Uh, not really. Like it's it's kind of there. A guy he acts, named he acts like a cartoon sometimes. Yeah, he, he kind of acts like one. I mean, he, he got hit. Like he got hit by a golf ball at Tennessee, yeah. and they threw a mustard bottle at him. So that's that's, that's cartoonish kind of cartoonish, enough. but not uh, to me. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. He's got to go off the. He's got to like adopt Lane Train as his official name <laughs> to be a cartoon. Lane character. Train. Yeah. Uh, Tina oh, Wynn with us from KTNV. All right, I do want to ask you about the Raiders. Um, what do you make of the last four weeks of the season where they win all four games, they get in the playoffs, and I'm not sure they played well, but they won every single game mm-hmm. by like three or four points? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the on-the-field product, it hasn't been some of their best game, but I think overall for me the biggest thing is this team is certainly finding ways to win, and they're finding ways to win the games 
that they need to win. I mean, you, of course, think about all that they've endured this season. Um, Carr, I believe, mentioned it in one of his press conferences, how he's talking to Mark Davis and just said how he's like, we've gone through so much. Like, I don't think any other team in the last 10 years have gone through what we've gone through just in this one season alone. And the season's not over. Um, but, of course, they still persevered and have made it all the way to the playoffs for the first time and, of course, a very long time. So, yeah, I mean, I think, again, they've just been able to find ways to win games. And even sometimes you watch and you're like, you don't know how this is going to happen. They've had so many games that go into OT, but yet they win won all of them. So, yeah, I think they're finding ways to just simply win games. And another thing I think for me, too, I've noticed is you got to credit Rich Versace. I mean, the guy was kind of thrusted into this very unique position. But, I mean, he is still keeping this team going, still keeping these guys in it and really rallying them and making them believe. Um, even when they, at one point, lost five out of six games, um, Versace is still keeping the ship going the right way. So, And I think another thing, too, you can tell, these guys really love this man. And I remember uh, Mike Mayock's press conference, and they were kind of introducing him. He said how Versace was like, one of the best leaders he's ever been around and just raved about him. All right, this is a key question, though. Were you hoping for a tie just for the buffoonery of it? No, I was not hoping for a tie. Guys, you play to win the game. No. You play no. to win the game. You want comedy. Oh my you guys are one of those people. <laughs> yes, you want comedy. You, you want guys... to laugh. <laughs> I, I, no, I was not rooting for the tie. I'm like, come on. We got to see, we did see a ball game. Um, but I will say at one point, of course, Everyone talked about it at the end of that game, even us in the press box. I think I was sitting next to Q. We were all like, is this going to happen? Like, even, you know, the, at one point, there, the tie was actually um, real. But, no, I was not rooting for the tie. I'm guessing you guys were? Oh, you guys oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, oh God, yes. And, oh, yeah. and on top of that, <laughs> I, would, I would rather watch the Chargers in a playoff game than the Steelers. Like, just from a pure entertainment standpoint. Yes. I, I don't yes. need to watch the Steelers anymore. I'd rather watch Justin Herbert try to convert every single fourth down that he's ever seen in the playoffs. That's I, just more fun. Yeah. Holy cow, let's talk about that. I mean, the kid on those key fourth downs. Oh, my gosh. Just when you think he couldn't do it, he cruises wrong. I mean, that was crazy to watch. His accuracy and poise, even if he couldn't get it done on first, second, and third down. But, I mean, fourth down were huge for him. And he, I mean, what we saw, I feel like, was just his future is, is so bright. All right, we debated this yesterday because Mike Mayock said before the season this is a playoff team, and that was what the goal was. And the key phrase yesterday was, okay, the job is done. Because Derek Carr said, I don't, you know, I think there's more to it. But, they made the playoffs. They made exactly what Mike Mack said. So do you think no matter what happens on Saturday, the job is done? Mm-hmm. I, I, I think one thing going into Cincinnati will be a bit tough, um, although this time this team, well, I, think, I think they have most of their guys. It's a pretty healthy roster going to Cincinnati. Um, but I think one thing for me is, I mean, People, the weather, you don't really know how well they're going to play in that kind of weather. I think it's even supposed to snow at some point in the 30s. Um, they're going to have to run the ball, definitely. Uh, of course, Josh Jacobs has been running the ball pretty well. I think he's had 200 yards rushing games out of his last three, but he's also playing kind of hurt. So I, I want to hope that the job's not done. <laughs> the optimism uh, side of me wants to hope that the job's not done just yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. 
Job's done. What do you guys think? Nope, job's done. The season, you guys think season is job's successful. Done? Yep, season successful. Doesn't matter if they lose by 100. The season was a success. Derek Carr can say he yeah, played in a playoff I was gonna game. Say, yeah, that's our next question. Would you guys, do you guys, would you guys define this as a successful season? I would. They yes. won 10 games into the playoffs and with the interim head coach that, you know, coach that isn't even supposed to be in that position, but just kind of got pushed in and is doing. Yes. Pretty great job keeping these guys rallying going. I don't actually think they're good at football, but it's a successful season (laughs) because they made the playoffs. Like, I'm still trying to figure out because I I don't think they're good. I don't think they're that good, but they made the playoffs. So it's a success. It is. It absolutely is. Well, she is Tina Wynn from KTNV. Tina, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Tina. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Definitely not mentioning that Texas A&M beat Ole Miss in basketball yesterday. It didn't happen. Not a real thing. So. There's Tina Wynn coming up next. Russell Wilson. Is he still going to be a Seahawk next year? It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Nobody cares about Russell Wilson anymore. Um, Ed, do you think this is the biggest hockey story of the last decade? Oh, this is. I'd have to zoom in to see how big it is. An unbelievable. Oh, back from the microphone on that. Um, It's incredible on so many levels. So (laughs) Florida Panthers game yesterday. Uh, Kodak Black, a rapper, Mm -hmm. is at the game. They put him on the big screen. He was sitting like in the front row glass seats or whatever. Put him on the big screen before the game. The NHL even tweeted out, like, Kodak Black is at the game. Like, yay, look at the famous people who come to watch hockey, right? Later in the game, um, just a random Florida Panthers fan named David, who's in the crowd, uh, tweets out a video of Kodak Black in a suite. So they moved, yeah, they moved him up to moved the him up suite. to a suite. Um, there's a woman in the suite. She's bent over. Kodak Black is standing behind her. And there are thrusts happening yes. in the video. That's part is he's, it looks like he's carrying on a conversation right. with his boy. There is another guy in the I think his other guy's taping it. That he is talking to. Um, and David, the, the Florida Panther fan that sends out this tweet. And he said, I think Kodak found something better to do with the Panthers game. <laughs> Well, okay, wait, I, I got new evidence that I'm going to Hold be... on, hold on. And there's one more detail before your new oh. evidence. Um, great cinematography, by the way, by David, because he shows Kodak Black and this woman and then pans slightly to the left because they put Kodak Black in the suite that is right next to the owner's suite <laughs> of the Florida Panthers. <laughs> and they have no idea what's going on and then pans back to Kodak Black. What is your new evidence? I, I just sent it to you. Um, I sent it to you. I texted it to both of you. There is new evidence. The gentleman he was talking to was also recording the incident. Oh yeah, you can see you can see him holding up his phone. Yes, he was recording it for sure. And it looks like there was no. I'm trying to think of a better word than penetration. They're both okay. So this is a close-up video. Uh, they're both still clothed, but I don't think that prevents. Uh prevents the act from having happened here. Okay, so what are they, this is a before shot? <laughs> well, because what are they... No, no, I'm saying, well, they could be with the clothes on. But, like, what? why would she be essentially grinding on I mean, him like she's in a club? They're dancing. To what? 
to the insta. I mean, have you ever been to a Knights to game against Bumpin? That's in only the Golden Knights. That is not the Florida Panthers, dude. Florida, don't the Florida Panthers have a nightclub in their st- their uh, their stadium, or is that the Heat? I don't think that's the Florida Panthers, but like what is like the play is going on in the background. There, even if it was, there's no nightclub music. It's like the sound of skates and ice. Hey, man, you can make a beat out of anything. <laughs> so the close up insinuates they both have clothes on. Yes, no, they it do. doesn't insinuate. You can see that they're okay. both fully oh, yeah. clothed. They, they are right. both wearing clothes. I wouldn't so, say fully clothed, but okay. they are both wearing the, the, clothes. It is. It is some. Basically, some middle school dry humpery. But I don't think it's dry. So, <laughs> this is, yeah. You think this happened? What else would they be doing? She's just grinding on him like they're I in guess, a nightclub I mean, in, are a, they, in a suite at a hockey game? Are they just kind of screwing around? Well, <laughs> what am I saying? Are they just, I, I, that, that was bad. And I, it was, well, hold you know, on, wait, I, I wait. Have you it. never been in a suite? What do you do yes, in a suite? Yes. Well, you eat food and you, you drink. You eat the free food. You eat the free food, you drink, and you And after you're done eating the free food, you need to, you know, you need to shed some of that, like, hot dog uh, weight. I don't know. You I've gotta never, get your grind on. I've never gotten to be in one by myself with somebody. I'm usually in there with, like, 30 people. He wasn't himself either. Oh, no, yeah, he was his, he was <laughs> you his You got to bring your boy to record it, obviously. <laughs> you guys my, are prudes. Come on, my, this is fine. My no, favorite, Tyler thinks it happened. My favorite part, though. Is that this is the biggest hockey story of the yes, season? Exactly. This is this was like bigger than any of the Olympics. With all these COVID pauses and Olympics, this happened. Jack Eichel takes literally. Yeah, like, Jack Eichel was at war with an organization, <laughs> yeah. and we're still we're like, oh yeah, that that that's cute. What did Kodak Black do? Yes. Oh, it's phenomenal. It's an un and. This this random Florida Panthers fan, David, who took the video. Oh, golf clap to that guy. Tremendous job, well, David. Tremendous. That's citizen journalism. That is. And David's got a good phone. He does. Because have... it must be the new iPhone 13. Yes. Because this guy zeroed in, and he got uh, some nice shots in there. <laughs> I mean, I, I I guess he Kodak wasn't in the suite to begin with. So I don't know if David was just kind of looking over there and finally sees him because he, he got moved up to the suite, right? Because the first time when they introduced him, he was with a lot he of was, people. He was glass yeah. sitting at glass seats. Yeah. So I assume they moved him up there at some point. Or maybe he, well, maybe he just went know. up there. Yeah, I don't know. It's, he, that's right. He might have just opened a door and been like, here's an open room. Wait, why can I see so many people out there? Wow. <laughs> Which, by the way, did he think people couldn't see him? Oh, I don't. I think at that point you're not caring very much. Okay. No, All I don't right. think you, you tell your guy to tape it, and you're doing whatever you're doing. Yeah, I whether think you're that doing was going out on the gram. Yeah, <laughs> whether you're doing it or not, for real, I don't think the so, wait, other wait, wait. people is your main. The concern. question is, did he bring the girl? Or on the way up to the? He met her. He went. You're coming with me. Yeah. That is a good question. That is a good question. But you're we suggesting need David to do an investigative journalism. Yeah, we need David to keep keep working here. But you're suggesting David scooped Kodak Black. Yeah. <laughs> The Kodak Black was going to put this out, but David scooped him. Yeah, because he had his guy taping it. <laughs> he had his guy. Ta- Does Kodak Black put this out? Yes. David ha- David had a better angle <laughs> because he apps because his guy, his boy's like two feet from him. Yeah, so that would have just close. been, you know, he could have been anywhere doing they that. They weren't using the space. No, they weren't. I mean, you he was like really close space. to him. So he, you know, he, you wouldn't have known he was at a hockey game. This way, you knew it was he was at a hockey game. David's David's video, the random Panther fan. Again, it's better because he had 
the wherewithal to pan over to the owner's suite right next to it yeah. while it's happening. And that he that knew. Phenomenal. Do you think he knew it was the owner's suite? Uh, I think so. I think or he was just saying, let's see what the people next door, are they hearing this? Are they watching there, this? There was one guy who literally like looked over and yes. then looked back. Yes. And it was like, are they, is there glass? This right? Am I hearing this right? <laughs> There's a row of kids. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't know what's going on. They're just dancing. There's just a row of kids right in front of the back row up against the Hey, suite. he's up there. Can we get selfies? <laughs> Please? They just turn around. Hey, turn around. hey. Oh. what's that? Best hockey story of the year. Don't care who wins the Stanley Cup. Remember this from 2022.